and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please, 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 please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, and also my good friend's outlet, the NBA Draft Junkies, it is truly appreciated. Plus, also, if you can get of our friends at thrivefantasy.com or Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Google Play, just go ahead and download that or check that site out today. If you're into daily fantasy sports betting, as far as picking the players that you'd like to go ahead at each of these sports, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, also PGA, eSports, and of course the NFL coming up on week 15. Go ahead and check it out today, thrivefantasy.com. And if you type in the code LFB, that's LFB right there in the code on your first deposit, as long as it's over $20, they'll match it. Dollar for dollar, up to $50. Again, the code LFB. Use, uh, choose it today at Thrive Fantasy. Ah, you know what? 200 episodes. I'll tell you what. 200 episodes now, the Lakers fast break. I cannot believe it. It seems like time has just gone by that. Highs and lows of the Lakers season. And I will be coming up very soon with the third part and final part of a Lakers rewind championship rewind coming up here in a few days with more great conversations from the past including this man right here i've got right alongside me you'll hear some of the best of those conversations coming up here in the not too distant future but it is lakers fast break episode 200 so i thought who better to get for episode 200 well not laker tom sorry laker tom you're coming up here soon for our post game show but it is a good man indeed it is Mr. Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. You got to check out what he's doing today at NBADraftJunkies.com. His awesome shows, NBA Draft Junkies, and also as well, the great shows and great things that he's doing there. It is my good friend. You got to go ahead and check out everything that he's doing there, including all the extensive profiles and the Run the Floor podcast as well. It is Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, thanks for stopping by on episode number 200. Cannot believe that, and I've done that in just a little over a year, my friend. I mean, I can. I, I see the notifications on my phone, so <laughs> I, I know that you're putting in the work. I'm just honored to be um, to be a, a guest on such a, a a milestone episode. So, thank you. And I mean, I, I've mentioned it to you before. You've helped me get into the the whole podcasting game. So, I, I don't know I'll, if that was a good thing or a bad thing because you know, podcasting might corrupt your mind there. I mean, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, okay. okay. You know, I, I think I did, I don't know how many episodes, maybe like, is it 40-something? I'm, I'm not sure. but It goes by fast. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. Uh, yeah, I did 48, 48 in, from May through November. <laughs> so yeah. I was putting out a lot of content. But uh, and then I have some that I just haven't, I haven't even posted because, um, just with the the Dash Radio show, and then it's like with, with college basketball. If you don't post it right away, the the information could be outdated because there's so many games going on. So um, I have to do a little bit better job of that. But but yeah, I'm just thankful to to be on on like I said, such a, a milestone episode. 
Well, I, I'm truly honored to have you here. And you got to check out everything that he's doing. Again, NBA Draft Junkies, Dash Radio, the Run the Floor, the whole nine yards. Please check out his thoughts and also analysis and prospect videos wherever you can get it, NBA Draft Junkies. So excited to talk the NBA season. As much as I would love to talk to you right now about Caleb Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley from USC, Fight On Trojans, and all the other great prospects that are out there in NBA Draft 2021 land. That's going to be coming down the road, and you and I know we're going to have a conversation about that coming up. I do have to go ahead and preview the NBA season because there's no better time to do it than episode 200, and it's less than a week away, my friend, just a few days away, the NBA season. Seems like you and I were just talking about the championship game, the the NBA Finals game six, and six weeks later, here we are. I'm so excited for it. Your thoughts on the NBA season, first off, coming up in just a few days. Yeah, I mean, it's such a a short turnaround. I'm looking forward to it, as always. I mean, I'm a big NBA basketball fan, college basketball fan, so I'm just glad basketball season is back. You know, last season was obviously cut short, and um, which led to that the long break, which has also played a role in having this short offseason. I mean, we've had the draft and free agency and the start of the season seems like all within – 30 to 45 days or something like that. So good time of year for me. Did you actually like the fast turnaround and there was news hitting you right and left? I liked it because it kept me invested in the NBA and obviously kept more people and more fans out there invested in the NBA as opposed to that period of time, like usually in August when dies off and as everybody you know, has heard by now, it seems like a lot of the general fans don't turn on the NBA until Christmas. Does it seem like this may have been a better outcome for, you know, obviously because of just very terrible circumstances, of course, but for the league itself, news-wise, I think this may have been something that has kept at least a lot of interest for fans out there. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think still, no matter if it's, this year or normal schedule NBA free agency that first week in July is big. I mean, I think it's bigger than baseball, especially like the first day where the, the signs can be official. Um, it's tough for, for the players. I, I yeah. know it's, it's tougher for them, but from the fan aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was, I think there was some good and then the short turnaround with the season starting right away. As far as the interest, we'll see. Um, I mean, I saw some numbers that some NFL games did a whole lot better than the NBA Finals. Um, I mean, I guess it just depends on which way you want to – to um, which side of the coin you're on. Well, I, I know numbers as down. a whole for sports has gone down. But yeah. with the NFL, I mean, it's always hard for any league, any sports, uh, to go ahead and compete against the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I just think the numbers are down because people are accessing and watching games in so many different ways. You can watch a game on your phone. I mean, I don't want to promote it, but they have these sites where you can watch the games for free on on your computer. I think that's playing a role. And then obviously so many people are cutting the cord. But I think like as far as like digital wise, the NBA is setting records every year as far as just the number of people that are watching online and 
and just you know because of the game has grown so much globally yeah it's it's hard to determine if the tv ratings are a real uh i guess a real way to gauge fan interest it is going to be something that is interesting to see how the ratings Will they stay? Will they decline? Or will they go up in the coming weeks and months if people are now going to be invested in watching the NBA even more? That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And one of the things that will also be interesting to be watching for as it plays out are a lot of the people, the players that are coming back from injuries. And I know there's going to be a lot to talk about. Of course, that we've talked about. You know, when you're talking about Seth, you know, Steph Curry, when you're talking about Kevin Durant, all these big names are coming back. It should help the league even more ratings wise because you're going to have a lot more individuals that people will want to catch. Yeah, I definitely think that that is going to play a big part in it. I mean, you got the New York City market, which now will have KD and Kyrie. And then um, even with Houston, I mean, I think there are people that are just going to be tuning in because they don't like the way Harden or Kyrie have carried themselves. So people are going to tune in just to watch them fail, which, you know, ratings are ratings as Floyd yeah. Mayweather has, uh, he's, he's done a good job of marketing that. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just a tough way to really gauge the fan interest based off of TV ratings. I couldn't agree with you more. Once again, it's my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow. You got to check out what he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, also as well, NBADraftJunkies.com. He's got tons and tons of profiles. And guess what? He's already started on 2021. So check out his latest draft profiles today and also his draft grades from this year's NBA Draft right there at NBA Draft Junkies. Well, okay, my friend, episode 200, let's get into it when it comes to what we're going to be talking about here in this upcoming season, truncated 72 games, if all works out well. But as you and I know, it's still up for debate on that one. We'll see how everything plans out. We know coronavirus will probably have its say at least one point in time during the season or another. I'm expecting that to happen, unfortunately, because it is such a a terrible virus that is inflicting so many parts of our lives, even to this day. And even with a vaccine that is just been started being distributed, it still is a long way away before we start seeing players getting vaccinated. So I'm going to say this right now, there's still going to probably be maybe one, two or more teams affected by coronavirus for a period of time. and could be leading to a cancellation of games, maybe one or two here and there, but, are you expecting these teams to be able to try and finish the season with 72 games, or do you think it's not going to be able to complete it at all? Yeah, they'll finish it. Just, I mean, we've seen college football, which <laughs> to me has just been awful. You have teams yeah. that only played six games. and college football, they decided to finish it. I mean, I guess it's not done, but more than likely they're going to finish. Baseball finished. And then it's just so much money on the line. I mean, at the end of the day, the reason the country hasn't been totally shut down is because of money. And, you know, there's probably billions of dollars on the line, so they're going to play. I mean, if they end up having to call up G League players, (laughs) they'll stumble to a finish because, you know, they definitely want to get back on track for, for next year and go back to a normal schedule. So let's hit up the Eastern Conference first, my friend, because I know everybody in Lakerland wants to hear where the Lakers stand in your eyes. 
But I want to go ahead first with the Eastern Conference. Let's take a look at what your opinions are on the league. Let's go from your thoughts on the Eastern Conference. Let's go like a one to, you know, one to the rest of the league type basis. Uh, I mean, those that are out there, a lot of people are going to be interested because the play-in games have now been added on as a a permanent staple, so to speak, which I think is a good idea. I was kind of on the fence about it, but seeing it played out last year with Portland and and Memphis and all that, it was really kind of interesting to see. So I'm curious to see where that's going to fall in for this year's program. But for this season, I think at the top, are we still talking Milwaukee Bucks? Because yes, they did get Drew Holiday. Yes, they did get a fat extension to Giannis Antetokounmpo, who right now looks to be in Milwaukee for an extended period of time. And congratulations to him. I don't know uh, if I'm going to see as dominant of Milwaukee Bucks team. I still think they're going to be the season front runner once again, but I think the loss of George Hill and Eric Bledsoe, the depth, I just think it's going to come down to the depth. How much depth do they have now? Cause I think they did lose a little something from this year to last. Actually like their moves. I mean, I think holiday makes them better. I like DJ Augustine and I like adding Bobby Portis. And then I think even like for the guys like um, the uh, defense, I mean, I'm butchering his name. Dante, um, Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah. Guys like him, they're supposed to make, you know, just natural progression improvements. I think they'll be fine. I still think they'll have the best record in the East during the regular season. And I mean, yeah, holidays an upgrade. It gives them another, just another playmaker. And then I just think like in most seasons, you have a championship team and they're going to be able to add a player in the buyout market after the trade deadline. So, um, yeah, I, I think they actually probably got a little bit better. I think they're set for the, again, the, during the season, I think they're going to have the best record in the Eastern conference, possibly because the Eastern conference bottom is so bad they could be overall the best team in record wise in the NBA again, similar to last year. But let's go ahead and say this then: if, if you see them performing better in the playoffs, I don't think they can get much worse. So I do see them at least advancing around, possibly to the finals. Uh, I just think that right now I just don't see them having that complete team. Something I still think something's missing with them going all the way as far as the NBA finals are concerned. I mean, it just all depends on if Giannis developed a respectable mid-range jump shot. If he can shoot off the dribble and make teams pay for sagging back, then it changes everything with their with their team. I think the reason why they – well, he got hurt last year, but they were already down that series. But Miami was just able to load the paint up against him and, and play him for the drive. But if he's making that mid-range pull-up – I mean, he's too tall for you to really contest it. I mean, he's basically a seven-footer attacking you off the dribble, shooting over the top. If he can knock that shot down, then it's going to be tough to beat him because in the playoffs, he was so predictable because you knew that he was looking to attack the paint every single play. I don't even think he needs to really, like, be a good three-point shooter. And even to me, his three-point shooting can stay the same. It's just a matter of him knocking down that pull-up jumper. Right after him. Uh, excuse me, right after his team, the Milwaukee Bucks, 
you have a series of teams that I think are all bunched together and they're actually not too far away, in my opinion, from Milwaukee. I think any one of these teams barring an injury to Milwaukee are very competitive and could actually compete very well in the playoffs. I think some of these teams are a little bit better set up in the playoffs. And I'm going to put that group and you tell me if I'm different on any one of them, Toronto, Boston, Miami, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn. Any one of those teams should be able to match up very well with Milwaukee by the end of the year, barring, again, any injuries. Yeah, I mean, I would even throw Indiana in that mix. I mean, they were they had home court last year, and that was pretty much without Oladipo, who is arguably their best player. Um, got a new coach, so, I mean, people don't really know what to expect from a, a rookie coach, but I think if they're healthy, and then we saw how, how well T.J. Warren played in the bubble, or at least – before the playoffs, you you had all those guys healthy. I think Milwaukee is is definitely not Milwaukee, but Indiana with Brogdon, Oladipo, Warren, um, Sabonis, and and Turner. I think they're definitely one of these teams that are underrated that I would throw in that mix because, like I said last year, they were they had they were in a position to have home court advantage. What about Philadelphia? Made a lot of different changes, uh, adding some shooting. Seth Curry heading over there made a lot of, uh, you know, changes for now. I don't think they're done because when you have Daryl Morey in the mix, you're never going to be done trading because it's Trader yeah. Daryl, Trader yeah. Daryl. But are, what are your thoughts on what the additions have done for Philadelphia? I think it's done a lot of good for Philadelphia at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I think Philly is like Milwaukee in a sense. They will be good in the regular season. I think when last year they were awful on the road, but it just depends on the development of Ben Simmons. And I watched a little bit of the game yesterday. He still was reluctant to shoot. He still would um, pass up an open jumper to pass it to somebody for a contested shot. I don't know if their team is more talented this year than last year, but I think the pieces fit better. And, uh, but this is going to be interesting to see if, you know, how they work out with, with Doc Rivers as a coach. And obviously, like you said, Maury has a reputation for making moves and he loves superstars. So if, you know, if they get off to a slow start or if the pieces aren't matching up, then I, I definitely think that he'll dangle one of his two, his two stars, but he's, he's, they're going to look to try to make it work at first. Toronto is the team that's often being, not discussed right now, even though they're just, what, a little over a year from the championship that they won against Golden State. And I know they did lose, I know they did lose Mark Gasol and also as well Serge Ibaka. And they did have uh, some changes that they had to go ahead and, and, and bring in Aaron Baines and, and see what they could go from there. But I still like them as a team that could be very competitive. Do I think that they're a team that could compete in the hierarchy as far as as well as they ended up being last season because still they lost Kawhi and they, they ended up number two in the Eastern conference. I don't see that that same type of success, but I do still, I do still see them in the mix somewhere in that three, four, five range. Um, I mean, it's hard to count them out. You know, a lot of people counted them out last year and they proved with their record that they were still very competitive but, I mean, I guess you can say from the championship team, they've lost, what, three high-rotation players, yeah. maybe three of their top six, which any team that loses that, it's going to be tough to be able to play on the same level 
I'm definitely a fan of what Masai has done and, and Nick Nurse. I think that they will. I mean, I think they'll be competitive. I think it may the losses may catch up to them this year. Again, you lost your 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 two starters. Well, I don't, I don't even know if Ibaka started the majority of the games, but you lost your your two best inside players and and veterans also. I mean, I just think they're in a tough spot now simply because they were one of the teams that quietly were expecting to make a run at Giannis, and now with Giannis locked up long term. You just wonder where did they go from here? Because and, well, another team is Miami in that, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Yep. But yeah, it's just where do they go from here? You know, if you're if you're Maasai, do you say okay, our championship window is definitely closed now? What do we do with Lowry? Do we start a full rebuild? Um, and then I, I think he's a free agent coming up himself, and I've heard rumors that the Wiz want to offer him. Daryl Morey money, which is probably like ten to twelve million dollars a year, but I think Toronto. I think it just catches up with them. I think I would say the Pacers are probably more talented from top to bottom. We just don't know what Indiana's going to do. They have a rookie coach, but the last time we doubted Toronto with a rookie coach, they ended up going all the way to the final. So true and true uh, on that. And then Miami, the last team in the East to go to the finals. Not everybody's talking about them either. Everybody's talking about how they should be disappointed as well that they're no longer in the Giannis Atentacumpo sweepstakes because of the signing and the extension. What are your thoughts on Miami this year? Yeah, I think Miami would be better. Again, just with the natural progression of Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, I think that those guys would be better. Then they just make some key moves, especially like on the defensive end they added. Avery Bradley, who's a, obviously one of the best man-to-man defenders. Um, I think Maurice Harkless gives them a little bit of versatility. And they were able to get those guys for pretty much nothing. And um, so, yeah, I think Miami's going to be good. It, they may not have, like, the the sexy superstar. Like, even though Jimmy Butler should be mentioned in that category, I think Miami, despite going to the finals last year, they're going to be under the radar this year. I think everybody's going to be talking about Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you is is Brooklyn, uh, because Brooklyn obviously getting KD and Kyrie Irving back. Kind of a, a lot of talent on that team, but I'm not sure if it's all the right fit because you've got Spencer Dinwiddie and you've also got uh, Karis LeVert there who want the ball. It's got four dominant ball handlers there, and they're not going to be able to split that ball into all of them because they all want their piece of the shots. And not to mention Joe Harris, you got, you know, uh, Shandry Lamott. It's a very well-rounded team, but I don't see it mixing. And, and I see them having some issues with either chemistry or just a fit because they've got all these pieces, but I'm not sure that they know what to do with them to the extent that they can go ahead and right now be at the top spot. I think they'll be close. I think they've got an injection of talent that they need, but I don't see them as the number one just yet. I see them maybe possibly finding that out by the end of the season, though. Well, I think the key thing for them is their two best players really like each other. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has to fall in line. I mean, I think they, I think they'll get along. I mean, they're both... They've been friends for a while. They yeah, wanted to play together. They kind of have like this collective dislike of the media. 
And I think it's going to make them bond together, man. I watched Kyrie's live and you can tell that they're genuinely friends. They're not like teammates that are friends because they're on the same team. I think they genuinely like each other and get along. And obviously they both, um, you know, decided to play together. I mean, they both left good situations. KD could have stayed in Golden State and continued to go to the finals or at least the Western Conference finals every year. Kyrie left a good situation in Boston, at least on paper. I mean, they went to the conference finals. So, yeah, I think I think they're going to be fine. And also, I think that, I mean, KD is such a, a dominant shooter that his gravity alone could allow Dinwiddie or Levert to do what they do best, play one-on-one. I don't know if they'll keep both of them along, you know, for the entire season, but I just like, I like their team. I like that, um, you know, they have shooting, they have size, they have depth, they have pretty much everything it takes. And then at the end of the day, when it comes down to the playoffs, you have two guys that can get their shot at any time, two guys that you fear on an island one-on-one in clutch situations. So I think they're going to be strong. I I think so as well. I just I'm just not sure if they'll find it out right away, but I think by the latter half of the season they're going to be a very strong team and someone uh, a team that could actually be right there as one of the favorites in the Eastern Conference. I really think they'll figure it out on the back end of the season. I think it's still going to be some rough patches early on. I'm predicting they're going to come out blazing. Oh, there you go. See, there you go. Who's right, him or I? It's still, I think we're at the end, we're going to be coming together on the same decision. But yeah, it's it's something that is going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. With more on that, as far as the Eastern Conference, there has to be one other team that we talk about at the near or at the top of the Eastern Conference, and that is Boston. And, you know, I, I, I know on this show, Boston's not a beloved team, that's for sure. Certainly one of the least favorite of mine anywhere or any type of team throughout history. But I will admit the Lakers did goof when they didn't get Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum is playing at an all-star level, but he's ready to take that next step. I think he should be considered at or near the top of anyone's list for MVP. He's not only a top 10 MVP candidate, he could be on the fringe of a top five. And with Kemba Walker, being out of the lineup for the first six weeks, if the team has any success, it's going to be due to him and Jalen Brown because those two will have a lot of extra responsibility on them. Where do you see Boston's season handing out? I think they'll be good. I think Boston's issue is late in games. I mean, Tatum has the reputation as a scorer, but he's not a good passer. And so I think the when you're in those late game situations, you have to have a player on your team that's clutch that can score for himself or make plays for others. Mm-hmm. And we saw in the Toronto series that Tatum in big games, he had a lot of turnovers, most notably the one pass where he threw it to Nick Nurse in, in a clutch situation. So I think they'll be much better, but Brown and, and Tatum have to make strides and improve as playmakers and passers for others. And it's just going to be hard to win playoff games when – you know, I guess it depends on how you put Kemba, but two of your three best players aren't really plus passers. I know, for example, Brown has more turnovers than assists in his career. Um, Kemba, I like Kemba. I mean, a lot of people are kind of down on him because they thought he was a liability in the playoffs because of his size, but I don't think he was healthy. 
Um, but I don't, well, I guess it all would depend on their, you know, just size. Like that was yeah. their issue last year. I feel like they addressed that with uh, Tristan Thompson, but even he's yeah. not going to be healthy to start the year. I mean, the East is going to be, it's going to be tough. I mean, we're not used to saying the East is going to be tough. It's always, you know, for the past few years, it's just seemed like it's wherever LeBron is at, that's the team that's going to be the favorite to the finals. Yeah, I think it's going to be a crazy year because you figure all these teams that we've mentioned are expecting to make deep runs in the playoffs. And how many of them are going to get out of the first round? Somebody is going to lose in the first round. I think it's going to cause a, a major shuffle in the NBA because you figure, you know, you, we've named Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Boston, Philadelphia, Miami, Toronto, Indiana. Yep. Then. Well, hold on. I'm, that's what I want to come to in a sec. Cause then you have that. I think the next tier, cause you included Indiana in that very highly competitive tier. Then you've got that next tier with teams like Atlanta, who made a ton of changes this offseason. Yep. You've got teams like Washington, which just added Russell Westbrook. You've got other teams like Chicago, which looks to, I guess, re-change, uh, I guess, change their fortune, so to speak, with Billy Donovan now as coach. And then you've got Detroit, which added 500 centers. And then, of course, you have Cleveland as well. And then, of course, the beloved New York Knicks that are out there. Shout out to Knicks fans. Keep strong, Knicks. Keep strong. At least I think you now have a direction, as best I'll say. But I know it's going to be a long ways away until you get to where I think you will be happy at. So my, my shout out for this episode to New York Knicks fans. But as you see it for this, let's say, uh, I guess, uh, 8 to 10 spot. Yeah. Who are you looking at for as far as the three teams? And when we'll, then after that, we'll go list it one through 10 as far as for the main playoff spots. Yeah, I think that Atlanta has to be the favorite there. I like what Chicago has as far as talent on their roster. And Orlando. We, we, I almost forgot about them because, unfortunately, they play such a style of basketball that everybody almost forgets about them. Yeah, man. But have, I think they've been able to squeeze into the playoffs below 500. So. Yeah. Twice. I think this, yeah, this is a year that you you have to at least be. I think seven teams would be above five hundred. Um, but Orlando, I mean, I would say Atlanta and Chicago would be my teams, my my two teams to fill out the last couple spots. Um, Orlando's just stuck is they're just stuck in in no man's land. I mean, I don't yeah. think they've gotten better. Um, losing Isaac, their best defender, doesn't help. Also, then Mo Bamba guy who they drafted high in the lottery hasn't panned out and apparently he's he's still dealing with some issues with COVID. We don't really know what's going on there. So yeah, I think that they'll um <laughs> I just think that they have to be one of the teams that if they get off to a slow start or it doesn't look like they have a chance to compete for a playoff spot, even if they do, I think you have to move Aaron Gordon. And I think that um you're gonna see like a, a major shift because the Eastern Conference has so many teams that are trying to win. And and then there's some teams that, like I said, just stuck. It seems like it indeed. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, 
podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the world champion, Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. All right, my friend, we're going to go again to one to ten, just the playoff teams only. And when I say one to ten, I also mean, like I said, the ninth and ten teams that would have a chance to get into the playoffs because they'll be part of that play in game, whether it's seven to ten or eight to nine. So I want to hear your thoughts one to ten on the Eastern Conference as far as in the ranking order. Yep. Yep. Who, so that, you want to go from 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? All right. Let me see. The teams that, I, that, uh, all right. The Knicks and Pistons definitely are out. Those are the worst two. So now that puts me <laughs> right. at 13. You got Cleveland ahead of Detroit. That surprises me. That could be the biggest surprise right there. Yeah. Cleveland. Well, I mean, Detroit is, I think they're just going to be awful. Like, well, it, well, it depends on Blake Griffin. And how long he stays there, and if he's healthy, I think too much ifs right there for you. And I agree, I agree with that. Well, I mean, if he's healthy, then they're going to get rid of him, in my opinion. <laughs> that helps them out. So, yeah, I mean, those three teams—New York, Cleveland, and and Philly—so that is what fifteen, fourteen, and and thirteen. Then for, let's see, after that, the next tier would be Charlotte, Orlando. So that puts me at what eleven. All right, let's see. Man, this is tough. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you my 10. I'll give you my 10, and we'll go ahead and give you some time on to work on it. So as I, I put that to the test for you. I put that to the test. All right, let's go with number 10, because I think I've got it all down right here. And we're going to start with number 10 for me is Chicago. Doubles are going to at least have that chance to get in from the back end. I think they have a team that hopefully if health wise that they can compete on a regular basis. And now that they have what many consider to be competent coaching again, because I, I know there's a lot of people that are not Jim Boylan fans out there. And I'm certainly not one of them after all the, the stuff that he created while he was there. I know that they could be headed in a better direction in Chicago. Although look for them to go ahead and trade some of their assets if they don't think their season is going to go in the, in the right direction. Look for them to trade some of those assets like Lowry Markinen and Zach Levine could be very high, highly sought after trade targets coming up at the trade deadline. So let's go with Chicago at number 10. Number nine, and a very close number nine, is Washington. I'm going to put Washington right there at number nine because of the fact that I don't think they can guard you and I if we're on the floor. I really don't, even though Bradley Beal scoring 30 points a game and you know, Russell Westbrook getting a triple-double and uh, Davis Bertans, the very rich Davis Bertans, being able to shoot over 40%. I think they're going to be awesome on offense, but they're going to be absolutely horrid on defense. So we'll see how far that goes. But I'm putting them at number nine, just behind Atlanta. I think Atlanta made enough changes to sneak into that eight spot in the playoffs. Chase, uh, I think that Bogdanovich was a good get. I think that Gallinari was a good get, but they have all these pieces similar to what I saw and what I was talking to you about with Brooklyn, but they have all these pieces, but I'm not sure they all fit. I'm not sure how they all will work. And I'm not sure that they do either. 
So we'll see how that pans out. But I do think they have enough talent around Trey Young to get him at least into that playoff mix. So I'll put them at number eight. Indiana, I'm going to put at number seven. But I see them as a little bit of a gap between them and the other three teams I mentioned because simply they've got a great team as far as a very solid roster, a very solid roster. The only thing is Oladipo. How healthy is he? Will he come back to Oladipo of two seasons ago? We're going to find that out. Then I'm going to go Toronto, who's going to take probably the biggest tumble as far as the standings are concerned. Simply the fact there are so many teams that are uh, as skilled as they are now with all the changes that they made. And the, the losing to your big guys like that, I think that's going to re- really hurt. And I think you said it, three out of their top six rotation players are now out of the mix. So I think that's going to affect Toronto in an adverse way. Then I think, I'm sorry to all Miami fans out there, but Miami is going to be again, number five. I think uh, it, with them, it's, I don't think they did enough. I don't think they did enough to improve their team over the course of the summer to really ratchet up a notch during the regular season. We'll see how much that plays out again because being fifth before got them into the title series against the Lakers. So we'll see how that pans out. Then I've got right after that, Boston, Brooklyn, uh, Boston, number four, Brooklyn, number three, Philadelphia at number two. That's my big jumper right there for you. Philadelphia, I think we'll find the mix and I think they're going to find the right combination. We'll see what happens there. And number one is going to be Milwaukee once again. Regular season juggernauts, but we'll see again in the postseason. I'm not counting anything when it concerns Milwaukee in the postseason. But now that I've given you a chance, my friend, to go ahead and get that 10 going, what do we got for you? All right, I think Milwaukee will have the best regular season record um, just because they I, – I mean, Bud is just a great regular season coach. Yeah. And I think Giannis just – I mean, he plays hard. He doesn't – pace himself which is something that you like um so i think you know he's gonna i mean they're trying to prove that last year was was uh was a fluke as far as them losing the playoffs i think that the second best record will be brooklyn i think maybe by a game or two they'll be behind the bucks and i mean i think they're gonna be good but i also think that they're going to do a decent job of, of managing minutes and Brooklyn is going to be in it for the long haul. I mean, KD's won a ring. Kyrie's run a, Kyrie has won a ring. So I think for them, the regular season is not going to be as important. After that, I'm going to go ahead and say Boston at number three. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with Miami at number three. And I, I think with Miami, they didn't really need to make a big free agent splash or add another piece i think for them the best thing that they have going for them is natural progression of their rookies i mean last year they had two guys bam and hero who are like what 23 and what 19 yeah starting for them playing a major role i think those guys are going to be a lot better you know this is hero's second year and you know, bam. I mean, the jump he made from 19, the from 18, 19 to 19, 20, if he makes a similar leap like that, then that's just as good as another free agent. I like what they did as far as like adding Precious Achua gives them another defender. I don't know how much he plays, but Avery Bradley, you have another defender that um, 
you know, that is a great man-to-man defender. Maybe not so much of a good team defender, but I just think that they have more bodies that they can, you know, that they can put on the floor. I mean, last year we saw in the finals, they just didn't have a lot of depth. So I think they got better from there. Number four, I would go Boston. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I just think Boston is, is better than Philadelphia. As far as just chemistry and and um, I think they have a really good coach in Brad Stevens and then they've addressed their need for size. Number five, I go Philly. I still think that they're going to tease you with their talent, but as far as just kind of putting it together, and then I just don't know how patient Maury is going to be if they get off to a slow start because he can he can dump one of the guys and possibly get James Harden. Um, uh, let's see. Then at where am I? Five. After that, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the Pacers ahead of the Raptors, just because I think Toronto. I don't want to say last year was a fluke. I mean, I, I think they're definitely well coached, but again, they've lost. You know, I mean, Chris Boucher and and Aaron Baines are gonna be their five. So I mean, I guess their starting lineup projected would be what Van Vliet, Lowry, um. I don't even know who they are. Oh, I guess OG, Siakam, and then Baines, and then off the bench, you know, who they have coming off the bench. Boucher. I, mean, I like Malachi Flynn a lot. Yeah, I mean, Bembry, I think their bench is just not as strong as, as it has been in years past. But, again, I have the Pacers ahead of them. Then after that, the last two spots, I will go – I'm going to go Washington. Ahead of Atlanta, I even though Atlanta added Rondo, I still think they're still a little too young as far as, as veterans. And Trey Young is obviously the the leader of that team, and I still think that it's going to be hard to to cover for a guy that just does not defend and cannot defend. And then as far as like egos and, and chemistry, I think it's going to be tough for them because they have two rookies or two guys that are rookies last year that started and now they could be in position to where one of them is totally out of the rotation if if one of them is not out the rotation then Kevin Herter will be out the rotation and then is Gallinari going to come off the bench behind John Collins <laughs> so I think in the preseason I think they started um was it young Capella, I think uh, Hunter has started. I think Bogdan at the two, and I guess John Collins at three. Would Gallinari have signed with Miami? Thinking, I mean, I'm at, but Atlanta coming off the bench to come off the bench—that's a lot of money for guys. So I think they're they're going to run into some chemistry issues. But I think Washington is—I um, think they just need a change of scenery. I think Westbrook—he's definitely going to play hard. That's one thing that you you know you're going to get out of Westbrook. He's going to play hard. I think Hachimura is going to make a big jump. I mean, he was impressive if you saw the preseason game against the Nets. He was, I mean, he was kicking KD's butt on the on the on that end of the floor. I mean, KD was giving him in buckets too. And they have shooting, and that's one of the things that we have not seen Westbrook have in his time at OKC, where he was the league ball handler, where he had shooting around him. The Thunder preferred. Yeah. Guys that could defend, that couldn't shoot. And I think 
Westbrook has something to prove. So, I mean, imagine Westbrook on the space floor with Bill and, and Bertans. It's going to be tough for him to, to stop him and keep him out the paint. And then I like Denny Avdi a lot. And then after that, I mean, Chicago, hopefully they can put it together. They just can't stay healthy. And, you know, I think Otto Porter's only probably paid like 29 games for them. Wendell Carter can't stay healthy. Lori had the oblique injury. And, um, yeah, just we'll see what, what Billy Donovan does with uh, Kobe White and Zach Levine. They're, they can be fun to watch, but I think they're just going to miss it this year. And then after that, Orlando, Cleveland, New York. I don't want to take up your airtime talking about those teams that are going to be, be – that are – they're going to start off competitive or trying to compete because, you know, like most teams, it's the beginning of the season. Guys want to play hard. But then once they start getting their butts kicked every night, you're going to start seeing ownership look at this 2021 draft class and start preparing for those guys to come in. I don't blame you a bit. Uh, those are some good thoughts, and I, I agree with you on that. I just uh, I don't see with those teams, even Minnesota, which is trying to build something, I just don't see enough. Uh, I mean, excuse me, I don't see enough with the New Yorks, the Clevelands, the Detroits, the Orlandos. I just don't see anything there that's going to push them into that mix. Maybe Orlando, just because they play great defense, will sneak in there in the 10th spot, but I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it at all. I, in fact, uh, you know, I was almost alluding already to the Western Conference, but we'll hit that up right now. With the Western Conference, there's so much to talk about. And again, I'm with my good friend Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. And we were talking about what teams will probably not make it. It's a murderer's row. When you go from one to 10, it's really just so hard to uh, see any of these teams that wouldn't succeed if they were put in the Eastern Conference because there's so many good teams in the Western side. I mean, the depth there is still a little bit better than what you're seeing in the East. But with teams like Minnesota and Sacramento and San Antonio, which is now on the outside and it's going to, at least for the next couple of years, be on the outside looking in, in my opinion. And then you have Oklahoma City, which is in a total rebuilding stage with the 500 number one draft picks they've got coming up over the next few years, seemingly. I mean, those are pretty much cut and dry as far as being on the outside looking in. Memphis, a team which has such a promising future in John Morant and some really nice youth, they could be on the outside looking in. So there's all these teams that have a lot of promise, which are going to be on the outside looking in, in my opinion, on the Western Conference. But while you tally up your 10, in fact, let's go over some of the teams right now while you tally up your 10, because I've got my 10 for the Western Conference all set. Let's go over some of the teams, just talking about them real quick. Houston has been on the minds for so many people right now because of James Harden being here in Las Vegas, being at birthday parties, then finally getting to camp and now is finally starting to go ahead and play some exhibition games. But he's made it obviously very clear that he does not want to be a permanent resident with the Houston Rockets anymore. Your thoughts on the whole situation? I'm very happy for DeMarcus Cousins. I'm so happy for Boogie that he's now back on the court and playing once again. I think he's been playing pretty good. And John Wall coming back could prove a lot of people wrong as far as his status that he was washed up after such a serious injury as the Achilles. Yeah, what's going on in Houston is going to be the it's, it's going to be the I guess the main topic early in the year. 
I think Harden ends up staying simply because I don't think Houston wants to give him up. Now, this is my opinion of what happened. Now, <laughs> just the Rafael Barlow opinion. Okay. I think that something major went on between the front office and the owner because D'Antoni left. He didn't even give them a chance to offer him an extension. He, like, quit on the plane. And by the time the owner got the information, he couldn't reach him because D'Antoni had already let Woj know that he was resigning. Um, Daryl Morey lied and said that he wanted to spend time with his family. And 10 days later, yeah. he goes far away from his family. He goes to Phil. I think they said his daughter might be going to school in Boston, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. But yeah, he ends up getting a raise and going to Philadelphia. You know, the situation with the assistants, D'Antoni's assistants not being brought back the year before. I just think it was something that, that went on. And then I also feel like the new owner lost so much money in the pandemic that he was not going to continue to pay to try to build a contender. And so I think his plan was if I extend Harden, if I give him this hundred million two year extension, and then I'm just slowly going to chip away at these different pieces and not rebuild, but Harden alone with, you know, some cheaper roster guys may be good enough to keep me in the playoffs every year. And so I think Harden understood that he's not trying to win a championship anymore. He just wants to still remain competitive, but also cut costs. While in today's NBA, if you want to win a championship, you have to have an owner that's going to go into the luxury tax and that is willing to pay a lot of money to keep a, a, a talented team together. And like I said, I just think that they were going to not bring Tucker back and then they were just going to start you know, finding cheaper players just to still be competitive. So I think that's what would probably make Harden want to leave. And then I also feel like, one, I don't think Tim McMahon likes James Harden anyway. So I think, you know, he's going to come out with stories to kind of, you know, give a, a much more negative perception about Howard than what it is like. You know, one of the things that, like, I'm, I guess I'm a Harden fan, so I'm a little biased. One of the things that kind of bothers me is that when people call him out of shape, I'm like, I don't think the average fan understands, like, all right, one, how hard it is to be an NBA player. Two, how hard it is to be a good NBA player, let alone an elite NBA player. And Harden may go out every night. He may party, but he also works. Like, he'll... I remember one game I went to and I did press. He reminds me of the NBA's version of Ric Flair. Let's put it that way. Party all night, but work out and being able to go ahead and perform when called upon. Yeah. I mean, you can't get to that level of success individually without a crazy work ethic. Yeah. And I've been fortunate enough to go to Rockets games. And I think I went to a game once. The game may start at seven. I get there like 430 because I like watching guys work out. Harden was the first player on the floor. And I mean, he's going through a hard game workout. So I remember after the game, they had a bunch of injuries. They lost. And Dan Tony was asked a question about, <clears throat> about are, are they losing because guys just aren't used to playing with each other? He says, no. He says, a lot of guys on his team, they train hard. 
but James trains to play 40 minutes a night with a heavy workload. Guys on the team aren't training like that, which to me kind of, you know, you think about it, Harden has seen every defense. I mean, even if you watch the Lakers series, Caruso's picking him up full court. He gets the ball at full court. They're trapping him, and he still scored like 30-something points. Like, you can't be out of shape <laughs> and scoring 30 points against a defense like the Lakers. So, anyway, I kind of went on a little tidbit there. But, yeah, I just think Harden wants out because he does not think that Houston is going to be able to compete for a championship anytime soon. And, I mean, even if healthy, I, I mean, I don't know. Even if healthy, I think – DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall will provide a different look, but I don't know if it's enough to to beat the Lakers. So you'd have to have both guys back to like 2016, 17, and they've been out for like two years. So, um, but yeah, I don't think Houston wants to trade them because he's so marketable there. Yeah. And if you're in a situation where fans, you need fans to come to games or fans can't come to games and you, you need uh, to generate some revenue. I think Harden is still a guy that the fans in Houston love. So I don't think they want to trade him at all. I want to give a big uh, special shout out to JJ Jimenez for liking the fast break video. Thank you so much for doing so. With Houston, like you said, it, it's just going to be very interesting to see the drama that takes place over the course of the next few months. And if he will be traded at the trade deadline, we'll see exactly how where it goes and how competitive the Houston Rockets may be. I still have them in the mix for a playoff spot, but I won't say where yet because we'll be dropping that in a few minutes. I want to go ahead and touch on another team in the Texas area. Again, we're going to be touching on the Lakers. So everybody stay calm on Lakers fans. We're just touching on the entire NBA for now. But yes, we've got plenty of time to talk about the Lakers because this is our 200th episode. So we're going to make it a good one for you out there. I want to go ahead and touch on this real quick with Dallas. We talked about a little bit before about Luca being one of the favorites here in Vegas to win the MVP. I still think you should think of Jason Tatum. I think that's another name. Of course, LeBron and AD, of course, all the usual names. I mean, that's notwithstanding. Steph Curry needs to be brought back in the mix, but your thoughts on the Dallas Mavericks and where they can compete in this year's season. Oh, I think they're going to be tough. I think every year Luca has made a jump. Even this season, the jump he made from March through the bubble was impressive. And I think that he's going to come back with something else in his, in his toolbox to add. That's going to make them a better team. I think they've added toughness. Yeah. James Johnson, Josh Richardson is another defender. Um, I think uh, Josh green is going to come in and be able to make an impact as a, as just a defender. Um, Dallas was in my opinion, one of the least athletic teams in the NBA last year. So I think they've improved overall athleticism i mean of course it all boils down to the health of porzingis and i think that they're not going to be any big rush to bring him back especially with such a condensed schedule um but um so yeah i think dallas is going to be tough absolutely i think they're going to be very tough as well it's funny because i was just looking at something coming across our screen as far as uh gordon hayward fracturing his finger that's always not a good way to start off your $120 million contract. But we didn't even mention Charlotte. That's how, in the Eastern Conference, uh, how well thought of they are with LaMelo Ball and all that. So 
I think uh, Charlotte's season is going to be something that they're going to have to go ahead. And it's just going to take some time. I think they've got uh, something to build upon, but obviously not getting uh, off to a good note with Gordon Hayward fracturing his finger. But you're right when it comes to Dallas. I think they're a scary team, but it's weird because uh, listening to all the podcasts and listening and reading all the analysts so far, as far as what their season previews, I see right now Dallas listed anywhere from second to ninth. I've seen them as high as second. I've seen them as low as ninth. So it's very interesting to see how that ends up. Porzingis being out the first few weeks of the season is going to be a little bit of a bump on the road. So I think that's going to put them back as far as an overall record. But if Porzingis and Luka Doncic are healthy at the end of the season, I think that's more important for the Mavericks. Yeah. um, But I also want to see what Carlisle does as far as what he does with uh, Powell and Porzingis. Powell gives the Mavs a vertical lob thread and, you know, just an athletic guy on the front line, but their offense really, like, took off when Porzingis was at the five. So, um, and then in the preseason, they've been starting Powell at the five, but Finney Smith at the four, I believe, because it's been Luca Hardaway Jr., um, Josh Richardson and Finney Smith at the four. So I'm curious to see what, what he does with the lineup. And then you have to figure like Maxi Kleber, who had a, a good a good year last year, is going to still um, play a lot of minutes. So as far as Dallas, I mean, right now, do you want my, my top eight? Let's go with your top 10, so to speak. Because like, again, with the playing games, you've now got to really consider a top 10 because they're right. all having some sense of playoffs with a seven to 10, eight to nine scenario. This is tough. This is really tough. So at number 10, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans. They're another team that has a whole bunch of pieces, but you're not sure how it fits. And a whole bunch of assets later on for Griffin, David Griffin, to go ahead and utilize in trades to make it a lot better for Zion. Yeah, I mean, if Zion is healthy... And he looked good uh, a couple of days ago. And then Ingram is an all-star. I mean, they have two young guys that are that are good. They should be better. Well, not they should be better defensively, even though they lost Holiday. Um, you know, a lot of people forget that Eric Bledsoe was all defensive team player, and then Stephen uh, Adams will will be an upgrade at center. Offensively, I'm curious how the spacing will work out with Adams and Zion together. But I think New Orleans is good enough to to be at number 10 at number nine, the number nine team to me is the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, even though I think they should be, they, um, wait, this is number nine. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you had New Orleans at 10. So who do you have at number number nine? nine for me is the Phoenix Suns. I think that obviously they were strong in the bubble. Adding Chris Paul should make them a lot better. I think they caught teams by surprise in the bubble. I don't think they'll catch anybody by surprise by surprise this year. Not I, with Chris Paul on the team. Yeah, not with Chris he Paul. He lets you know. He's, he yeah, lets he, you know. He definitely lets you know. And uh, But, yeah, I think they'll be good enough to be at number nine. And number eight, I have the Golden State Warriors. It's – I mean, I think Steph is going to have a phenomenal year. Losing Clay hurts. And I don't know who their 
next leading score would be. It could be Wiggins. It could be Oubre. I think they're respectable shooters, but they're going to have to change things up a little bit as far as just like how they run their offense and as far as floor spacing. I think they should be good enough to be number nine. I'm curious to see what other people have them. And then at number eight, I have Houston. And we well, it's tough because you just don't know what's what's gonna happen there with the Rockets. But so far in the preseason, they look good. As far as position battles, I'm wondering what happens with Wood and Cousins. I don't think they play both of them together, but you just pay Christian Wood this money, and so you expect him to come in and you know be one of your best players. But if Demarcus Cousins is you know, if he regains his, you know, the game that he had, because I think if there is a player who can sustain like two leg injuries like that would be somebody like Cousins who didn't dominate with like athleticism and, and all of that. I think he's still going to be a load to handle in the post. He can still shoot and he's still very skilled. So curious to see how that works out, but I have Houston there. Then I have Utah. A big issue for Utah is, is Bogdanovich. I know he's, you know, he had coming off wrist surgery. I don't think he's shot the ball well, at least from what I heard in camp. Then after Utah, I have Denver. After Denver, I have at number four, Portland. Then I have Dallas at number three. At number two, I have the Clippers. And number one, I have the Lakers. Okay. When it comes to Portland, they made a lot of big changes. They made a lot of improvements, I think, as well. And they've got a lot of people healthy again. I still think defense is going to be an issue there. What are your thoughts on Portland? Because you're the big Portland fan, my friend. So I got to hear your thoughts on Portland. Yeah, I mean, the issues that they had last year, in my opinion, they've been addressed. I mean, Covington gives the team a wing defender. And now I just think they may run into a situation where they have too many players. So if you look at the starting lineup, I expect it to be Dame, CJ McCollum, I think they may go with Rodney Hood at the three, maybe Covington at the four, and Nurkic at the five. But then you have a situation where Harry Giles has played very well this year. And I know he's on a cheap contract, but they like Zach Collins because Zach Collins was drafted ahead of Donovan Mitchell. So you kind of want to give a guy like that a chance to prove that you weren't such an idiot. But then you have Cantor, who they brought back. So I think at the five spot, you could easily have Cantor, Giles, Collins, and Nurkic. I think Melo is a four, but then, you know, you figure Collins is going to play some there at the four. That's where they started last year. And then at, at the wings, you have Rodney Hood will be back. Gary Trent, who is due for a contract extension, and he, he turned down an offer I read, so he's betting on himself. I expect him to play a lot of minutes because of his shooting like I said, Hood opted out and got a pay raise. Then you have Ant Simons. So I think they have a lot of depth this year. But defensively, I mean, I think they'll be better with Covington. And they'll be better simply because you have depth. You don't have a bunch of guys playing out of position. Like, I mean, it was – Carmelo was starting at the three. <laughs> so you're going to have plenty of defensive breakdowns there if he's playing the three. So, but yeah, I think Portland should be – should be pretty good. What about your thoughts when it comes to Utah? I mean, Utah is a team that's a little bit under the radar. Once again, I know everybody talks about Denver and the great success that they've had in the playoffs. 
I think Utah is not should not be underestimated on their season. Yeah, I think they they shouldn't. Uh, Conley should be better. You know, he didn't really have a, a really good year last year. But yeah, Bogdanovich. But I don't know as far as like this summer, they didn't really make any changes to get better. I guess bringing Derek Favors back to be there. To, in my opinion, I think he should be their backup five. I hope they don't try to start him and go bear together again. I think Favors have helped him because him and Ingles have such a good chemistry on the pick and roll. Having Clarkson for a whole year should help. I mean, I I think Utah is good. It's just the West is so tough. I mean, it's, you know, if you end up as the fifth or sixth seed in the West, it's, you can still be a team that can go to the, to the conference finals. I mean, I think yeah. right now the Lakers are head and shoulders above everyone else. But other than that, I mean, two through nine could, could be interchangeable to me. You uh, speak what a lot of other people are speaking about the Western Conference. But before we head on out, you talked about the Pelicans, the Rockets, Suns. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the Warriors. Portland uh, touched on Utah. Before we hit the big two L.A. teams, and obviously what everybody wants to hear our thoughts on the L.A. Lakers and the L.A. Clippers this season, Denver. They had a really strong run. Obviously, they came back from that 3-1 deficit to the Clippers, overcame that, and overcame the 3-1 deficit with Utah, as you and I reported on our playoff coverage each and every night. Mm -hmm. Where do you see Denver as far as their progression? I know they did take some hits with Grant leaving to Detroit and also, I think, gave up Monte Morris, I think, uh, went to Milwaukee. No, no, but Tory Craig did. They gave Tory Craig, Tory Craig, Mont yeah, they gave him the extension. Yes, the yep. three years, twenty-seven million dollar extension. So, yep. where do you see Denver right now, as far as it's concerned? Because they obviously see themselves as someone that could actually, as a team that could actually compete again for an NBA championship. Yeah, I think losing Grant hurts, but I get from his perspective of why he left because, you know, they're going to look to feature Michael Porter Jr. a lot more this year. And, um, I mean, they should be good. They should be a tough out. I, I really like Campazzo. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at how good he is. He's kind of like a younger J.J. Barea, but a pest on defense. I mean, I, I watched the preseason game. He was picking up full court, and he is an incredible passer. I mean, him and Jokic could be the best passing one-two combination in the NBA as far as just their flair and just this this ability to just make plays. But, yeah, I mean, I think Denver is a team to, you know, to, that can any, finish anywhere from two through nine. I mean, I think in this season, one injury in such a condensed schedule could knock a team all the way down. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of people probably aren't counting Denver to, to go back to the conference finals, but, I mean, I think they can. I mean, Murray should come back even better. Jokic in the preseason looks like he's in really good shape. But I think it comes step, down to MPJ. I yeah. think it really comes down to MPJ. Yep. I mean, he has to improve defensively. And if he can be like their third, you know, like their third star, then Will Barton is back. So, yeah, I, mean, I think it's going to take time for them to figure it out a little bit because they have so many guys that are competing for minutes because even with like the backup the backup spots, I think Compazzo and Monte Morris 
together, that's a really small second unit. But Composo, in my opinion, is too good to to not play. And Morris, you know, you just paid him. So, and then at the backup five, I thought Plumlee was a very good backup center. So now at this point, I mean, if they're backup five, it looks like they may roll out Zeke Naji. could be Isaiah Hardenstein. Um, it doesn't look like, based off what I saw in the one preseason game, Bobo is going to have a major role in the rotation. And then they may decide to try to play Millsap some at the five. So, yeah, it's a position battle. I wonder, are they going to start Jokic, Millsap, and Porter Jr. together? Because I think Porter Jr. is probably more valuable as a weapon at the four. I agree with you. 100% agree with you. He needs to be the four. He needs to be the four, I think, at this point in time. For his career to be going forward, and like you said, because of his defensive inefficiencies, I think it's probably best for him to be at a four. He he sticks out less as a sore thumb on defense, I think, at, at the four position. Yeah, but even then, I don't know if it matters because in a playoff, teams are going to hunt him out either way. So he has to improve as a defender as far as just like his understanding of the game and and positioning and effort but yeah it like i said it's tough to predict what's going to happen one injury could take a team from two to ten yeah at least in the western conference i agree with you on that we're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the lakers fast break podcast Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on over 30 more podcast outlets. Also want to give a big shout out to JB Ellis, giving us that thumbs up on Facebook. We truly appreciate you checking us out on Facebook Live. My good friend, Rafael Barlow, please check out whatever he is doing at NBA Draft Junkies, plus Run the Floor, Dash Radio, his programs there, and so much more. It is NBADraftJunkies.com, the entire experience on YouTube, NBADraftJunkies.com, and so much more wherever you check out your podcasts as well. All right, my friend. We're going to go ahead and break it down for all the L.A. fans out there because it is time to start talking about the two L.A. teams. And before we hit up the Lakers, which everybody has already anointed as the NBA champions this year, it's been so funny because they're talking about them in the same ways that they talked about the Clippers last year. I want to hear your thoughts on the Clippers. Did they regress or did they improve their team over the summer? Because it looked at one point in time like they were really hurting but the Ibaka move, I think, was a very good one. I was hoping he was going to go ahead and be part of the Lakers. But you know what? I got to give the, the Clippers some credence in, in getting Ibaka. Do you think they did enough, though, to make sure that they're staying at near the top of the Western Conference? Yeah, definitely. I think there's less pressure on them this year. They've kind of become the laughing stock of, you know, the basketball world. They blew a 3-1 to lead. I think a lot of it is Laker fans because like nobody cared about the Clippers until this year and and I don't know I just feel like once Kawhi and PG was signed maybe it's because of Patrick Beverly that has made people just all of a sudden just really dislike the Clippers but I think they'll be I think they'll be better I think with the short condensed season I think that um 
there's not going to be as as much roster changing as far as just their rotation. I think they're going to play a lot more games. I don't think, um, you know, I mean, you got to think last year, Paul George maybe missed like the first part of the season. I don't know how many games their starting five actually played together. I think they're a little overconfident anyway, so they've been humbled a little bit. I think Ibaka helps. I, I even think as far as adding um, Daniel Orturu helps them out a lot because one of their issues was size. Morris is a lights-out shooter. I mean, he shot like what, high 40s or mid-40s from three in Detroit, no, in New York, and then um, – Struggled a little bit once he played for the Clippers in the regular season, but he came back in the bubble, knocked down over 40% of his threes. I think having Reggie Jackson for a full year will, will help out also. So I think a lot of people are counting him out, but I still think that um, that uh, they'll, they're, they're a team that can compete for the championship. I agree with you. I think they're a team that can compete. I wouldn't put them as the favorites, but I do think that they're right there because they they have like – other almost any other team a great chance to go ahead and win it but i do think that there is going to be one team that's better than them and we'll go ahead on them in a sec i want to also give chris jose lebron of the off the ball network a props for going ahead and liking our video as well we truly appreciate you doing so what he up chris? Again, yeah he said what up what up chris indeed you know it does a great job on his own off the ball podcast so please give that a shout out and and check that out wherever you get your podcast but i will tell you what right now we're going to go into the lakers and they have been the talk of the offseason obviously winning the championship and you and i uh, you know we've gone over on this show many times about the decisions and the things that they've done over the course of the past few months and past few weeks they've also made many changes as well they didn't just stand pat they made some good changes they made some very solid changes a little bit more balanced as far as the offensive and defensive end, in my opinion, now throughout the entire roster. it may They may not have the great defense that they had last year, but they can make up for it by putting more points in the basket because of the fact that they got the first and second options for sixth man of the year in Dennis Schroeder and also as well Montrez Harrell. So I want to hear your thoughts on the additions that the Lakers made this year. And do you think it's enough to get them at the top of the Western Conference? Not talking title yet. We'll do that at the end, but at the top of the Western Conference. Well, I think on paper, it's a no-brainer. They got better. I think it's 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 easy to just look at the moves they made and just pencil them in or even write it in marker that they're, they're the best team in the West. The one question I do have is that how is the overall chemistry going to going to change and I know like Rondo and Dwight aren't guys that are considered like great locker room and glue guys both have had their issues in the past as far as like butting heads with teammates and being known as tough to deal with but I think because they were in their advanced age they were able to put whatever issue they've had on the side and do everything they can for a championship now, with this group, with Schroeder, he's kind of been known to have a reputation as a guy that doesn't necessarily get along well with his teammates. He definitely has a very, very strong ego and personality, which I think is what makes him who he is. You know, that chip on his shoulder that he carries and that bravado has made him a successful NBA player. I know he's looking for a contract, 
and I know he's mentioned that he wants to start. And I I never looked too deep into um to whether the reports were valid or not, but I think I remember reading something that he said that he did not want to go to the Lakers or or Clippers and whatever teams that his agent had brought to him. Um, so I think that could be something to watch out for because he wants to get paid. And then I think with Montrez, it's starting to come out that the Clippers teammates, like there were some issues there. I don't know if it was him. I don't know if it was the other guys, but it seems to me, and I've said it on the last podcast we did, that contract that he got with the Lakers to me was just <laughs> one of the worst contracts from a player's perspective that I've seen. I mean, he literally lost $40 million. And I think even though he didn't play well in the bubble, I still think he could have got at least three forty-five, maybe. Three, I mean, he's barely getting more money than Plumley, who didn't even start. So I think that he's going to be looking for a payday, and he wants to position himself for a payday. Because he can get out of his contract right after. Yeah, I think he signed a, a two-year deal, but I think it's a yeah an option. And so with him not being very good on the defensive end, is he going to come in and play heavy minutes to start the season and during the season, and then you see his role diminish to, you know, maybe 18 minutes a game in the playoffs with a contract coming up. And if he turned down bigger offers, which has been reported, to come to L.A. for that, and then he puts himself in a position again to lose money, I mean, that could be an issue. But at the end of the day, you have LeBron James, who is the ultimate leader and the ultimate guy that can get people, people in line. But I think L.A., it was a gamble that I would have made by adding those guys on paper. But to me, you always have to wonder when you break up a team that just has such good chemistry, when you break those guys up, you're taking a risk. I mean, yeah. JaVale, Dwight, and Rondo, at least to my knowledge, at least I never heard anything publicly come out, but those guys accepted their roles. JaVale started all season, was going from starting to DMPCDs. Dwight was not playing at times, playing very limited minutes. And it's just a risk that you take when you have three guys like that buy into small roles that you're bringing in two guys that play big roles on other teams, expecting them to come in and, and settle for much smaller roles for championships, especially guys that are like in their 20s. Yeah, but that could be something very interesting to see. Yeah, it was worth the risk, in, in my opinion, but only time will tell if, if those guys can adjust. Do you think the moves were made, as some have speculated, on as far as for the regular season? Because we're going to see a little bit more load management of LeBron and AD. I, I mean, I can't really see LeBron doing load management. I think, in theory, you may want to, but he's such a competitor. You've called him the cyborg. I'm going to give you the originator of that. Yeah, he's he's yeah, he, but he's such a competitor. I really, he, not only is he a competitor, but he loves basketball. Like, he really enjoys the game from every aspect of it. Like, I've met people who have said that they'll be at the free throw line and LeBron will remember something about them. They're like, and like, all he does is eat, sleep, breathe basketball. So for him, it's going to be hard to sit down and, and not play if he's if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um so, no, I mean, 
I don't think that I think, like I said, initially they want to start doing some load management, but the Lakers are going to be on TV so much that with that new rule that if you're benching guys on load management. Well, they're supposed to be because of the way the season set up, supposed to be easing up on that for this year. For this, oh, this year. year, but isn't it like a yeah. hundred thousand dollar fine or something, or maybe I, I don't think you'll see much of that as far as the NBA because of the fact that you're going to be bunching a lot of games together. Remember, some of these guys might even be playing what a back to back or like three games in four nights. You'll be seeing a lot of that, which I know back in the old days, a lot of people would say, Okay, that what what's the big deal? But for these days, for these guys, this will be a lot of hard doing. So, I think because of the way the season's so truncated. I think the NBA is going to not give them as much pressure, I think, at this point in time. So if LeBron sits out or AD sits out a certain game here or there, I don't think they're going to make too much of a fuss over it. I think they might just because they want they, – they you know, if the ratings are falling like they say and the Lakers are going to be on TV so much, I think there's going to be a pressure for LeBron, Luka, Zion, for these guys to play these big – TV games as opposed to being rested because the NBA wants to create this this buzz and they want to be able to generate more income. That's true. But then you've got the players union and the players will come back on the verge of a collecting bargaining agreement, go and protest that if they, they don't like it to see where it's trending. Well, which I think at the end of the day, the owners still have the power. <laughs> so the They've players the have cash. a lot of power, but the uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's they don't want a lockout. The NBA definitely yeah. doesn't want a lockout. That's for sure. That would not be good for the league or its fans. That's for sure. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Check out what he's doing today: NBADraftJunkies.com and NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, plus Dash Radio and everything that he's doing. You got to check out his shows on all the podcast outlets that are out there. All right, my friend, we've delayed long enough for our thoughts on the Western Conference, so go ahead, spill it out, 1 to 10 on the Western Conference. Oh, Lakers 1, Clippers 2, Dallas 3, Portland 4, Denver 5, Utah 6, Houston 7, Golden State 8, Phoenix 9, and Pelicans 10. Mine is not too much different. I'm going to go in from 10 to 1, giving people a little bit of a suspense. New Orleans at number 10, Houston at number 9. And that's not including the fact that if Harden gets traded, it could go really go off the rails from there. But I'm going to put them at number 9 for now. Phoenix improving to a official playoff spot at number 8. Warriors at seventh, I think with the injury to Clay Thompson, that's really going to hurt the team. And we're going to have to see how much of a load that Stephen Curry can actually carry this season. Number six is Portland. I think Portland, the additions that they made are very good. And they're going to be right there in the mix from anywhere from third to six. I'm going to put them six for now just because I'm worried about their defense at this point in time. I think that's something they still have to go ahead and address a little bit more. Number five, I'm going to go ahead and do Utah. I'm going to put Utah there, although I think they could be as high as second if they, their season really meshes well because I think they have a lot of continuity on their team. And Bogdanovich comes back to the Bogdanovich who was really doing so well for Utah. I think that could be a great sign for them. Dallas, I'm going to put it number four. 
And we're going to see how well that sticks out because of Porzingis being out. I would have put them higher. And I know a lot of people putting them lower because of Porzingis. I'm going to put them right in the middle. So I'm going to put them at fourth right now, only because of the fact that I think that they could be a lot higher. But with Porzingis being out, I think that's going to be an issue going forward. Denver at number three. Denver, like you said, has to work out some of the kinks. But with the top two players that they have in Jokic and Murray, obviously they're set there. It all depends on MPJ. MPJ Mm -hmm. could take them to another level. But I'm going to put them as a safe thing right now at Denver at number three. The LA Clippers, number two. uh, Very loaded team again on paper. Looks very good. Although I think, and I'm beginning to go ahead and lean towards Laker Tom's mentality and all the people out there, including yourself, that says there's now a larger and larger chasm between number one and number two. So I'm going to go ahead, obviously, with the Lakers. I have always said that they were the favorites. I've never said they're not the favorites. But I've been reluctant to go ahead and jump on that. Oh, they're just like leagues above everybody else. But seeing how they're doing now, seeing how they looked in the preseason, seeing THT as an 11th man, now, you know, obviously doing so well and seeing all the memes of him and Jordan saying he's the next Jordan. Okay, I'm not going to believe that kind of hype yet, but... He's playing very well, and seeing that at your 11th man right now really brings a lot of warmth to my heart as far as the quality of the depth on paper. So I think the Lakers are, without a shadow of a doubt, the favorites in the Western Conference, and I think it's not even close right now. I'm going to have to say it's not even close. I was kind of reluctant to say that, but again, like you said, an injury, a COVID scare, a a COVID outbreak, that can change everything. So I want to go ahead and use that as a precursor. All these teams and numbers could be changed up because of what we could see with an injury or COVID, correct? Yep, definitely. Yeah, so I want to go ahead and say a special shout out to Jamie Sweet, who also gave us a thumbs up as well. Appreciate your the work that you do each and every time out for Lakerholics.com. But before we head on out, my friend, on our 200th episode, which has gone a little bit extra long, and I do appreciate it because it's an extra special episode for 200, and I appreciate your patience and staying with me. I want to hear your thoughts on the final two participants when all is said and done and the smoke clears. Who will win the championship? Man. Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> wow. So you think the Brooklyn Nets are going to put it all together. And who are they going to face off against? Lakers. You think KD would refine that magic once again that he did against LeBron in the finals and go ahead and overcome that. Yeah, I think that they're going to be able to make a trade and they're going to be able to package, I think, Dinwiddie and someone else. And I think they're going to be able to get a legitimate third star because I think this trade deadline is going to be crazy. And I think that they are the one team that has their two superstars in place, but still has some pieces to be able to add another third star, just another complimentary player that can come in and take them over the top. Whether it's, it's James Harden mm-hmm. or, you know, cause you could, you could still give up Jared Allen, Levert or Dinwiddie. I think Levert stays cause he's a rock nation guy, but Jared, Jared, Jared Allen, Dinwiddie, Maybe even throw in Joe Harris because he makes a contract 
he has a contract big enough to where you can add a superstar, I think that they'll be able to to add another player. Very interesting. It's funny how great minds think alike as far as the two teams that will be in the finals, because I also think it's going to be L.A. versus Brooklyn. But I'm going to have to reverse the ending, my friend, because I think the Los Angeles Lakers will repeat as world champions. I think it's actually even more definitive this time around. And I was the guy who was on several shows out there talking to people about I think the Lakers would go ahead all the way on the backs of AD and LeBron. I was right. Fortunately about that, and I'm not patting myself on the back. It just had worked out itself that way out. And their third man, even though they couldn't find a third man all year, the third man ended up being defense. And their third man ended up being good enough. Their defense took over and it took the place of having a consistent third score, took place of having consistent shooting. It took place of all those other things that were got in the way. And you know what? It, it got the job done. It got the, the team to championship. They'll have a little bit better shooting this year. They may not have the, the graded defense that they have. They may have a little bit notch below on defense because obviously Harold being put in the mix and, and, uh, and Gasol, Marc Gasol being added into the mix is he's not the nimble defender that he once was, but he's going to be so good on the offensive end with his passing. But I will say this, my friend, when it all comes down to it, the Lakers do have LeBron and AD. And if they're healthy, I think they're just too big of a matchup to stop. I just really think that they're just too hard to guard. And you have enough variance now with Schroeder or also as well. You still have five of your top six defenders that you yeah. had from last year. Six of your top seven, if you include Kuzma, that you had last year that you can put in a pinch in a five outside situation. So. I think with all those variants there, I know Schroeder and Harold wouldn't be happy if, like you said, in crunch time of the playoffs, they're not playing a lick. But that I could possibly see that happening. But with that's the case, I still think that the Lakers can throw any type of variance at you. And doing so, I think they will win again a world championship. So uh, L.A. Brooklyn, I think you and I are, are alike on that. I just think the outcomes are going to be a little bit different. My question is... Did anybody watch Mark Gasol in the playoffs? That was why I thought the Baca <laughs> move would have been perfect for the Lakers. I thought that would have been the best move for the Lakers. But getting Mark Gasol, if you get anything from him, as yeah, far as if from, from outside passing, you saw in the preseason games already, he's looked really smooth and helped alleviate a lot of issues on that offense while LeBron was out. And if you can get anything from him. I think that's going to be a big bonus. But you, yeah, I, I understand they will not have the interior defense like they once did. But then again, when everybody went small, the Lakers went small too. Yeah, he's more skilled than Dwight. But I mean, I think Dwight would have a, a better impact. I mean, Gasol in the playoffs, Toronto couldn't even play him 21 minutes a game. He shot 39% from the floor, 18% from three. They averaged like six and four. I mean, he, he is more of a threat as far as a floor spacer. But, again, if he's a step slow defensively and it, it's the West, I think possibly he, he ends up – I think he ends up being this guy that all of a sudden he just got old in one year and then there's nothing left in the tank. It happened to Powell. Powell was good in San Antonio one year. And then the next year, I think, was it Chicago? And then yeah, he's Chicago. just – Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. I I can see that possibly happening because like you said, he looked very 
bad in the playoffs, but we'll see what happens here. And uh, I, I'm hoping that the Lakers will do one more thing to address their size because I think now they went from a very tall team to a not-so-tall team, especially when Mark's not in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping your your friend and mine, Mr. Dwayne Dedman, could get a call, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, he lives in L.A., so. <laughs> yes, former Trojan, former Trojan. Fight on, fight on. Yeah. But we'll wait and see. I think they need to address a couple things, and hopefully they will before the trade deadline or if they pick up somebody off the waiver wire when people are let go right after the trade deadline. We'll wait and see. But I do think the Lakers are stacked this year, and I'm beginning to think that it's going to be something that we're going to see hopefully play out for the team. But again, my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow is here. And before we head on out, we got to go ahead and have you do the hard pitch as always. Tell everybody why they need to check out NBA Draft Junkies. I'm biased, but it's also hard to just... I'm biased too, man. Your stuff's (laughs) awesome. Thank you. But yeah, as far as like the NBA Draft Junkies, I've already started on the 21 NBA Draft. I'm doing uh, video profiles. I started off with maybe four or five guys that are returning. But the main thing that everybody wants to see is the freshmen. I was waiting for the freshmen to get enough games under their belt before I started doing video breakdowns. And I'm doing a series called Freshman Adjustment. It's basically just talking about how the freshmen have adjusted to college basketball. And I do first semester and second semester. So that should keep me pretty busy. But my goal for this year is to do video profiles on at least 100 prospects. So I've already done one for, in my opinion, who is the top international prospect in the draft. As far as the podcast, I haven't put out content lately because I'm weighing a couple of offers as far as like taking my podcast to a different platform. But as far as like the YouTube channel and and the website, the content is going to be the same. So I'll be pumping out content. My goal is one a day, one a day or at least five a week between now and the draft. So I have plenty of time. So. I'm just going to outwork everybody this year. Hope that Spotify knocking at your door. Hope it is because they'll be backing up the Brinks truck if that's the case. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. So There you go. I think I hear that beep, beep, beep backing up right there for you. Backing up. Well, there it you, is. When you see me uh, doing my podcast live from uh, some villa, <laughs> then you, you know go. that that's what happened. There you go. Rafael Barlow, NBA Draft Junkies on the Mediterranean. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm claiming it. <laughs> Once again, it is my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Please check out his entire experience today at NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, NBADraftJunkies.com, and wherever you get your podcast. Right there for you, just waves and waves of prospect videos. And he's like he said, he's going to do over 100, or that's his goal, to do 100 profiles on different guys that are going to be already gearing up for the NBA draft in 2021. So please regularly check NBA draft junkie, subscribe, be a part of the experience. It's all worth it. And you will be very knowledgeable on the 2021 NBA draft with NBA draft junkies. My friend has been great talking to you as always 200 episodes. I cannot believe I've been able to endure so many episodes Once again, give a big shout out to Thrive Fantasy. If you're into daily sports fantasy, please use the code LFB on your first deposit and they'll match it up to $50. And also as well, our good friends, Lakerholics.com and everybody that supports the Lakers Fast Break. I cannot thank you enough for doing so. Watching and listening, we truly appreciate it. And again, stay safe. Happy holidays. 
I will see you soon after the Lakers game coming up here later on. You'll see a post-game report. But I do appreciate Rafael Barlow being here for number 200 right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>